Open your Bibles this morning to Mark's Gospel, the 8th chapter. Mark chapter 8 on page 844 if you're using the Blue Bible in front of you. I'm going to begin reading in the 27th verse of Mark chapter 8. You follow along as I read out loud. Mark tells us that Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others that you're one of the prophets. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. A few weeks ago, you remember, we talked about Jesus when he walked into that house where the little girl was dead and he said, she's not really dead, she's just sleeping, and the people laughed at him. We talked about how we need to be able to see a new reality. To see a reality that doesn't exist yet, but to move toward that by faith. The gospel opens our eyes to be able to see the possibility of a new life. Something that can't happen without faith. And that's why we sing, God, open my eyes to see that reality. It doesn't exist yet, and it will never exist if we don't move toward it with faith. But then the question becomes, what reality? What is that new reality supposed to look like? What are we supposed to see with these new faith eyes? Well, as we look at this story, we learn something important about what the gospel means. So let's work our way through this story and see what we can find out about what God wants to do in us and through us with our faith eyes and the gospel. Number one, the gospel is found in Jesus. And I say that again, and it almost becomes cliche because we hear this all the time. The gospel is found 
in Jesus. And that is true, but we need to let that truth shake us from our slumber. Jesus starts the discussion in this story by asking the disciples one day, who do people say that I am? Now, Jesus was doing more than just taking a survey. Well, what are you hearing people say about me? Some theologians, I don't think they're very good, but some theologians say that Jesus was insecure and he wanted to find out what people were saying about it. No, I have a hunch Jesus already knew, don't you? Jesus is getting the discussion going. So he said, well, what are you hearing? What are, what are, you, what are people saying about me? And some said, well, you're John the Baptist, come back to life. Or you're one of the Old Testament prophets, because that was one of the beliefs in that day, based on Old Testament scripture, that, that the prophet Elijah was going to come back. We're going to see that in the text next week when we look at this again. Just as now, there were many views about who this great teacher was. Many people today will correctly say that Jesus is a great teacher. And he was. There's no greater teacher in the world ever than Jesus. But what they mean when they say that Jesus is a great teacher, they usually mean he's only a great teacher. He's not the son of God. He's not divine. He's just a great teacher. They use that to limit him, not to really speak about his greatness. But just as then, many people today have all kinds of different opinions. Jesus wasn't content with just that, though. Jesus said, well, let's, let's cut right through it, guys. Who do you say I am? It's not about what the world says. I'm asking you 12 guys right here. Who do you say that I am? Jesus pushes the disciples not to just speak rumors that they've heard, opinions. He says, what's your opinion? What do you think? About me. Jesus says, take a stand. What do you think? Peter's answer in verse 29 is, you are the Christ. It's where we get Jesus' title, Christ Jesus. Christ is just the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah. This is God's anointed one, the Savior that God has sent into the world. Peter gets it right. Jesus turns right around in verse 30 and says, don't tell anybody. Now, Kathy asked a question a couple of weeks ago. It's a good question. Why would Jesus tell them not to tell anybody? Doesn't Jesus want people to know the truth that he is the Christ? And so after the healing a few weeks ago, Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody. And this is common. We see this in Mark several times. We'll see it again next week after the transfiguration. Jesus tells the disciples, shh, don't tell anybody. That seems to go contrary to the other scriptures that we have that tell the disciples to go and tell everybody. Can't Jesus make up his mind? Well, it's simply this. It's a matter of timing. Think of a surprise birthday party. Somebody says, hey, we're going to have a party for Joe. Come over to the house at 2 o'clock. It's a surprise. Don't tell him. A few weeks later, you're talking about the party, and they yell at you and say, why are you talking about it? You're like, because it's over. That's why. The party was two weeks ago. 
it's a difference between before the party and after the party. Jesus didn't want the disciples and the word to get out of who he really was because it wasn't time yet. And that would cause the the people in that time to clamor for Jesus to become their king. They actually tried to do that at one point and force him to become their king. Jesus didn't want these things to spin out of control because God had a specific plan and a specific timing. But after the party, after the resurrection, there's no reason to keep this secret anymore. And so we are at before the crucifixion, before the resurrection. And so that's why Jesus said, keep it secret for now. Jesus didn't want the cat to get out of the bag too early, but don't worry about it now. The events have played out. There's no reason to keep it a secret anymore. The gospel is found in Jesus. But there's a good chance that what you've been told about the gospel is not true. You see, God had opened Peter's eyes to see who Jesus really was. In Matthew's gospel, after Peter said, you are the Christ, Jesus looks right at him and said, God revealed that to you. You didn't get that from man. You got that from God. God opened Peter's eyes to see who Jesus really is. In the story just before the passage we read today, Jesus opened a blind man's eyes. Jesus touched him and he said, what do you see? And he says, "Eh, I see things, but, but I see people looking like trees. They're blurry. And so Jesus touched him again. And then he could see clearly. And I think that that's a picture for us of what's happening here in the life of Peter and the disciples. Peter's been touched. He can see Jesus, but he still doesn't have a clear picture of who Jesus really is. He doesn't have perfect understanding just yet. He needs his eyes opened even further. You see, Peter, when he said that Jesus was the Christ, he was right. But what Peter thought was that Jesus was going to be an earthly king. He was going to set up an earthly kingdom. But there's still room for growth here. Peter has it right, but he has incomplete truth. And so Jesus begins to teach that he's going to be killed. And Jesus goes on to say, and I'm going to be resurrected three days later. They didn't hear resurrection because Jesus lost them at killed. When Jesus said, they're going to kill me, they're like, what? The idea of the Messiah being killed was so far from their understanding. They couldn't even entertain the thought. Now, for us, 2,000 years later, we understand that God's plan of salvation, the good news, is that salvation comes through Jesus' death on the cross. We get that. Because that's been pounded into us for 2,000 years because we live on this side of the resurrection. But the disciples back then were like, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going to die. Because if you die, everything goes up in smoke. We understand the truth of what was going on. Peter didn't. And so Peter pulls Jesus aside and he begins to rebuke Jesus for saying that he's going to die. Don't be talking this death stuff, Jesus. That's not going to happen to you. 
I want you to pay attention here. We are just minutes from when Peter said, oh, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one that's come from God. And then Peter starts taking Jesus to task when Jesus said he's going to be killed. You see, Peter had his own agenda for Jesus. What he thought Jesus was going to do, setting up an earthly kingdom with himself, with Jesus as king. And I'm sure Peter thought, well, I could be like his vice king. I could be the second in command. Peter had this wonderful plan with Jesus at the head. And when Jesus said, I'm going to be killed, Peter saw his dreams, his aspirations, his vice kingship go up in smoke. Uh Uh-uh. I've put too much into this thing. You're not dying. We're not there yet, Jesus. This going around doing miracles and healing people, that's all cool. But, hey, throne, kingdom, I'm down for that. Jesus hears Peter's rebuke. He sees the disciples seeing Peter rebuke him. And Jesus said, I'll raise you a rebuke. And Jesus turns around and rebukes Peter. Jesus in this context says, get behind me, Satan. Wow. That seems harsh. To call one of your disciples Satan. But Peter obviously wasn't Satan but he was speaking for Satan. He was standing against the will of God. Peter gets off track really quick here, doesn't he? Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. But then he starts rebuking the Messiah. He starts standing in the way of God's plan. Notice what Jesus said in verse 33. He rebukes Peter and says, Satan, get behind me. Your mind is not set on the things of God. Your mind is on earthly things. And that's the key there. To be more focused on earthly things rather than the things of God sounds like anyone, any Satan. To be more focused on a kingdom other than God's kingdom is satanic. In verse 31, Jesus said that he must suffer. That word must there in the Greek is a moral necessity. It has to happen. In other words, this is the divine plan of God. And for Peter to say, no, that's not going to happen. What Peter doesn't understand is that as this story continues to play out and Jesus said again later on, they're going to kill me. And Peter says, I'll die first. He doesn't get it. His loyalty to Jesus is admirable. But what he doesn't understand is that he's actually standing in the way of, in the plan of God for Jesus to die. The gospel, the good news comes through Jesus through his death. But it's not just about the death of Jesus. It's not just about God's will for Jesus' life. 
It's also about God's will for our lives too. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the gospel and the will of God. Well, are you sitting down? Yeah, I guess you are. The gospel, the good news for us is not that we have a comfortable life. The gospel, the good news is not about us having wealth. It's not about us having health and happiness. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy that if we desire to live a godly life, we will be persecuted. And when Jesus starts talking about how we have to take up our cross and follow him, he loses us just like he lost the disciples when he talked about his own death. We're like, say what? It's one thing for us today to accept the cross of Jesus, something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's another thing for us to accept our cross today. Look at verse 34. There's three parts to what Jesus says this gospel involves for us. You see, the gospel isn't just about what's going to happen to Jesus. The gospel is what's going to happen to us. The followers of Jesus. Jesus said three things. Number one, you've got to deny yourself. Number two, you've got to take up your cross. The path for Jesus was the path that took him straight to Calvary to die for us. But God's plan for us is that we have a cross too. Jesus is not the only one who's called to die. Yes, Jesus is the only one who's going to die for the sins of the world. There's only one Savior. There's only one need for a Savior. He did that perfectly. We don't die for the sins of the world. But we are called to die. Now, most of us sitting here today are not called to physically die. We won't be martyred. We won't have our heads cut off because we're Christians. But that doesn't mean that God's path for us is not death. It's not physical death where our, our physical life is snuffed out instantly, but it's a physical death where we give up our lives for Christ. It's God's calling for every Christian to give up his or her life to die to self for Jesus. And that's what that first one, deny yourself, is all about. It's not about you living your life for you. It's about you living your life for Jesus. Are you with me? And then Jesus says, it's not just deny yourself, take up your cross, but it's also number three, follow me. The gospel is found in Jesus, and because of that, we follow him. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die. And he calls his disciples to get on that path toward death themselves. To dying to self. Because followers of Jesus, guess what? Follow Jesus. And there's no way to be a follower of Jesus without what? Following Jesus. And where did Jesus go? He went to his death. And he calls us to do the same thing. There is no gospel. There is no good news that doesn't involve following Jesus 
toward our own cross. But to be clear, these are not three separate things that we do. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. One, two, three. That's the way we read it. It's not. It's one thing that involves three things. But it's just one. When we take up our cross, that's us denying ourselves. How do you deny yourself? By taking up your cross. What do you do with that cross? Once you take it up, you follow Jesus. It's not a smorgasbord, people, where we pick one, pick two, maybe pick three. No, it's all or none. You're either a follower of Christ, where you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Him, or you're not a disciple. Now this is a call to anyone to be a follower of Jesus. But it's not a call to take any path. Many people will say today, oh, God doesn't care what path you take. Just pick one. No. There's one path that goes to heaven. There's one Savior that we are to follow. And that's Jesus. And this is a conscious decision. There is no such thing as somebody who starts following Jesus and doesn't know it. Jesus even talks about, there's no secret Christian. Somebody who's a follower, but nobody else knows it either. No, if you deny me, if you don't live out, if you're ashamed of me, he said, you can't be my disciple. But there's no such thing as a disciple of somebody who's a follower of Jesus and I didn't even know it. Because you cannot deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus by accident. It's by decision. Look at verse 34. Jesus uses the word if there. If anyone would come after me. That word if is a conditional word. If then. If not, then something else. If you follow Jesus, you can be his disciple. If you don't follow Jesus, you're not his disciple. It's conditional. The gospel is not just given to anyone and everyone indiscriminate of our response. If we follow Jesus, we can have the gospel. If we don't, we won't. We don't get to decide what disciples of Jesus have to do. Jesus gets to decide that. And he's already decided that this is what we have to do. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. We don't get to decide what a disciple of Jesus has to do, but we get to decide if we're going to be a disciple or not. We can take it or leave it. We can be a true disciple or we cannot be. It's up to us. But the gospel, when you think about it, and Jesus says, well, we got to die to self. Doesn't sound like good news, does it? When we read that, we're like, gee... I kind of like what those other preachers preach. They preach that you can be healthy. God will give you lots of money. That sounds like a better gospel. The gospel is found in Jesus, but the gospel life is where we actually find life. 
Life is not found in stuff. Jesus said life is found in giving up your life. He said if you seek to get your life, you're going to lose it. If you try to hold on to it and cling to it, you'll lose it. But he said if you want to find life, give up your life. That's a paradox. How can I get life by giving up my life? But how many of us have come to realize that Jesus is absolutely telling the truth here? The more we selfishly try to get life for ourselves, the emptier we are. But the more we give up our life, the more life we have. The Gospel is found in Jesus. The Gospel life is found in giving up life. Now, I'll give you an example. I know many mothers, they're great mothers. And if you look at them, they all but give up their lives for their kids. They're always doing stuff with their kids, for their kids. Their life is just wrapped up all in their kids. And they'll see that as, oh, I'm giving up my life for somebody other than myself. Here's the question. Where's Jesus in that? That may make you a good mother in the eyes of the world, but where's Jesus? Jesus didn't say, if you want to be my disciple, give up your life for your kids. He said, give up your life for me. Give up your life for the gospel. Giving up your life for your kids is not giving up your life for Jesus. Some people give up their lives for social causes. You know, these people that get out, they're all worried about uh, the environment. They're always preaching to people about taking care of the, the planet. I'm not opposed to that, necessarily. I think that might be good in some ways. But that's not giving up your life for Jesus. That's giving up your life for a planet that God says He's going to destroy and recreate. Remember in Revelation? I see a new heaven. I see a new earth. Why? Because God's going to fry this thing up. What about all those water bottles that are all over the place? They're going to get burned up too. Don't worry about it. Okay? We're so worried about taking care of the planet. Why? Now, God, granted, we don't want to have dirty water like they have in Flint. We do need to take care of this stuff. We've got to live on this planet until Jesus returns. So we've got to use some common sense. But to give up our life to save a planet that God is going to burn up anyway seems to kind of miss the point. Jesus tells us we're to give up our lives for the gospel, not for social causes, not for good things that ultimately won't matter. The gospel frees us from selfish living. This is critical. One of the things that we try to teach guys in our pathway program is not that they should stop drinking or that they should stop using drugs because that's bad. Shame on you. Don't drink. It's not it. A drunken life is a sin, yes. But a drunken life is a wasted life. That's what breaks our heart. Not because these dirty dogs are, are drinking. It's because they're wasting the life that they could have in Jesus Christ. And one of the problems is you can give up drinking. You can give up using drugs and still have an empty life if you don't replace it with something better. 
And a sober life by itself is not better than a drunken life if you're still living selfishly for you. All you are now is a sober, selfish person. And I don't think when you get to heaven, God says, Hey, at least you weren't a drunk, selfish person. You were a sober, selfish person. No. The life that Jesus has for us is a life that's found in giving up ourselves for others. And anything else that we chase after is a wasted life. The gospel is found in living for others. And so obviously this morning, there needs to be some growth in us too. Just as Peter needed his eyes opened more, so do we. Because we're missing out on what the gospel really is. Many of us have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but we've stopped growing. Look at verse 36. Jesus says, what does it profit to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Now stick with me. Jesus gives an absurd example. He says, what profit, what gain would it be if you gained the whole world but lost your soul? Now, let me ask you a simple question. How many of you came in here this morning and think, one of these days, I'm going to own the whole world? Really? Jesus uses an absurd example. He says, even if you were to gain everything, the whole world, it's not going to happen. But even if you did, it would be a bad deal if you lost your soul. In the meantime, now Jesus point is it's profitless to gain the whole world and lose your soul. If that is not a good deal, then gaining less than the whole world and losing our soul is even worse. Are you with me? Jesus said that's stupid to gain the whole world and lose your soul. How stupid is it to gain one little piece? We own these little pieces of property, right? An eighth of an acre. Whoa, right? That's nothing compared to the whole world. And Jesus said, even if you had the whole world, it would be a bad deal. We own a little bit of property. No, it's a waste. You've lost something much more important. You've lost your soul. And so what we see here is the stakes are incredibly high. The gospel, the good news is that our souls can be saved. The flip side of that same coin is our souls can be lost. And we've lost sight of that fact today. The good news is good news precisely in the face of the bad news that without Jesus Christ, we're in a world of hurt. We need Jesus. It is possible to have a very successful life and yet lose your soul. Let that sink in. 
There will be people in our lives who will try to get us off track from following Jesus. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Him. Oh, you don't want to do that. You can go to church, but don't go crazy with this Jesus stuff. You ever hear that? There will be people who will try to get us off track from following the Messiah. We are to say to them, just as Jesus said to Peter, get behind me. We are not to let the world get us off track from following Jesus. But let's put a finer point on this while we're here. We need to hear the rebuke of Jesus today. Just as Jesus needed to rebuke Peter because Peter was more concerned about earthly things than God's stuff, so about it. So is true with us. We need that rebuke today. How many of us are neck deep in worldly stuff? Not sin necessarily, just worldly stuff. Living day to day, doing earthly stuff that 15 years from now, in many cases 15 minutes from now, doesn't matter. And our lives are being lost in worldly pursuits that do not matter. We need to hear the voice of Jesus rebuking us today. We are too focused on the things of man and not the things of God. How can we believe that Jesus gives this radical call to take up a cross and to deny ourselves to live for Him? How can we hear Jesus say that life is found in laying down our lives? And our response is, hey God, I'll give you an hour. Once a week. We'll call it good. Are you with me? Jesus calls for our life. And we give Him an hour. I'm a good Christian. I think we've missed something here. Our minds are on the things of man, not the things of God. This is critical for us to understand the Gospel. We have made the good news so much about us that God gets lost in the equation. The good news of Jesus about all is all that God wants to do for us. The Gospel is about us giving up our lives for God. You see, we're willing to follow Jesus to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But don't ask me to take up a cross. Oh, no, 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 no. Now, maybe somebody somewhere, they're called to die for Jesus, but not me. You sure about that? How many of us here today are only following Jesus because what it's going to do for us? And if we don't get the stuff that we want, you'll hear people say, well, I tried it, but it didn't work. Well, you tried to use God for selfish purposes, and of course that wouldn't work. But the gospel is not about what God wants to do for us. It's about God giving us life by giving up our lives, just as Jesus did. 
Now, the question for us today is, how are you answering the question that Jesus asked the disciples? Who do you say that I am? Yeah, yeah, I get it. We're in church. We know the right answer. Jesus is the Messiah. True or false? True. We get that question right every time. But that's not enough. Knowing the right answer to a question on a test is not what Jesus says. When Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. Jesus didn't say, there you go. Good answer. You're in. Jesus said, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Why? Because having the right answer to a question on a test is not enough. Without following Jesus, having the right head knowledge means nothing. And most of us are answering that question on the piece of paper right, 100%, A+. But when it comes to doing what Jesus says, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus, we're failing. How did you deny yourself for Jesus this week? Come on. Are you following Jesus by laying down your life to serve others? For the gospel to get the word out so that other people might have life? Can you hear Jesus rebuking you today? You're too much focused on the things of this world. And if you don't hear that, you're not listening. Because Jesus is rebuking all of us today. None of us are focused on the kingdom as we should. We keep putting God on the back burner because we got this to do, that to do, and all these other things. And when I get this stuff done, then I'll do the Jesus stuff. But we never seem to get all that other stuff done, do we? Jesus tells us to deny ourselves. Stop making it all about you. It's all about Jesus and what He's done. Jesus calls for disciples who will live the truth. Not just say it. And then go back to living just like the world. Making it all about here and now. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment.